Our scripture this morning is Psalm 31. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and the object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servants. Save me in your unfailing love. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, you his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, and the, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. I am so deeply grateful for David and the other psalmists because they are honest. They are honest about their faith. They are honest about the struggles that they have in believing in God. There are many psalms of lament through scripture where the psalmist pours out his heart, struggling to find a sense of peace, struggling to find a sense of purpose in the midst of trial. This, however, I don't believe is a psalm of lament, but it is a psalm that carries great honesty and carries great weight of the pains and struggles of this world. The first point that we find in this psalm is that times are hard. David was going through a time probably more difficult than anything we are going through right now. And he doesn't sugarcoat his struggles, but he finds strength in them in God. I, and maybe you, have been struggling with the restrictions placed upon us because of the COVID-19 crisis. It seems that every few days there's one more restriction, another thing we cannot do, another way that we have to adapt to this new situation in our lives. From working at the office without the preschoolers around to working at home to this, 
this preaching to you from my kitchen. Not something I thought I would ever do. Not something I would choose to do. And we never know, we don't know when it will end. And we don't know what change is next. One commentator said, this crisis has to be approached like a marathon. We can't hope that it's going to be a sprint and be over soon. We have to prepare our hearts, prepare ourselves for this maybe lasting a lot longer than we would have ever hoped. And I have to confess that there have been times because of this crisis that I have become rather sad, unhappy, angry. And I, I never thought I'd do this, but I am going to sing a country song from the 70s in the midst of my sermon. Please know this is not typical of me. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. From Hee Haw, right? The 1970s comedy show featuring country musicians and those comedy sketches that were... Um, introduced by that song, that song of gloom and despair and agony, deep, dark depression, misery, ah, bad luck. That feels like what we're going through, and I don't need to make light of our struggles and trials, but um, when I hear that song, or I go through what I'm going through, that song sort of comes back to my mind from all those years ago. Look at what David is going through, though. Verses 9 through 13. Be merciful, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish, and my ears are with groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. I am the contempt of my neighbors and the object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. And we can experience a bit of that as we walk around our neighborhoods and find someone walking on the other side of the street. But that's not personal. This, for David, is personal. They are trying to get away from him. He says, I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. And what is broken pottery? Broken pottery is trash. And David felt like trash. He was going through experiences that were overwhelmingly difficult. But notice the second thing. First, we find that life is difficult. The times are hard. But God is with us. God is strong, loving, and protective. And David writes this psalm first by introducing his faith in God, his faith in God as his refuge. And then he concludes the psalm with uh, probably something that happens after uh, all of this trial when he sees that God has rescued him. In other words, he puts before and after the trials, the struggles, his hope in God. 
And when you read the psalm in that context, you don't get stuck in the trials. You don't get stuck in this list of afflictions, but you see that those afflictions occur within a confident place of trust and fellowship with God. David's not singing with the hee-haw crowd. We find two beautiful um, illustrative things that David uses here. First, a rock and a fortress. If you consider what it must have been like to live in the desert with the shifting sands around all the time and plants might grow and then die, what can you count on to know where you are? What can you count on to not move, to not change? A rock. And David calls God his rock. His rock, his fortress. You can imagine, can't you, a, a huge rock under which there is shelter and David finds shelter in that rock. David finds shelter in God. And then another beautiful picture that David paints for us here. He paints the picture of God's hands. In verse 5, he says, my life is in your hands. And that's why this passage is the passage for this week. In the lectionary, Jesus quotes this, Psalm 31, 5, as he is on the cross. He says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into God's hands. David says, I commit my spirit to your hands. And if you, if you know the Hebrew at all, the word that's used there is one of my very favorite Hebrew words. It's the word ruach. And the word ruach is the word for wind. It's the word for breath. It's the word for life. David entrusts his life into the hands of God. And then in verse 15, he says, my times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies. We, even when things are difficult, even when trials come that we would never have chosen, we can be confident that God understands and that nothing surprises God. Now, I have said in a number of my um, daily emails, do not blame God for COVID-19. Do not say God is using this as a judgment, but God is using this. Look at the story of Joseph in, in Genesis. In chapter 50, after um, his brothers had sold him into slavery, after he had been imprisoned, and after... The cupbearer, after Joseph interpreted a dream for him, said, I will tell Pharaoh about you and get you out of prison. The cupbearer forgot. So one more disappointment in Joseph's life. And when he gets to the end of it and he's speaking to his brothers, the very brothers that sold him into slavery, he says to them, you meant this for evil but God meant it for good. 
God redeemed the situation, gave Joseph a, a position of power in the land so that Joseph was able to protect and feed his brothers, his family, when a famine came through. God was working through all of that difficulty in order to bring good in the end. Romans 8.28 says, In all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God uses even difficulties in our lives to strengthen us and to accomplish his purposes. And notice that verse 5 into your hands I commit my spirit. And verse 15, my life is in your hands. Bracket. All of those verses in between with all of the trials and struggles that David is going through, all of his emotional upheaval. And that paints for us a beautiful picture of our lives being held in the hands of God. David says, Protect me from the hands of my enemies. He says that on both sides of this uh, passage about all his trials as well. But he knows that the hands of his enemies cannot get through because he is held in the hands of God. This does not mean that we won't have trials and struggles, but in all of them, God is with us. There is nothing that can happen to us that God cannot use for our good. So as we continue this marathon of adjustment to various changes because of COVID-19, we can say, how will I, safely within God's hands, adapt next? How can I, safely within God's hands, encourage others? How can I, safely within God's hands, change habits and values that we find stripped away from us because of the restrictions placed upon us, those habits and values that maybe were not helping us in our relationship with God, and maybe we can use this time as a Lenten discipline to overcome the power of those things in our lives and therefore then trust in God more fully. David knows that the way to process grief is to turn to God. In giving ourselves to God, we free ourselves from the power of anxiety, from the power of fear, from the power of suffering, because we know that God is at work to redeem all of these things. knowing that the times are hard, but that God is good. We're called to trust God, living confidently. Now, on this Palm Sunday, I think it's important to consider that triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and what that meant for the people, what that teaches us. And we always wonder, how can those people be so excited that Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, shouting, Hosanna, save us, and then turn on him within a week? 
And I think the answer to that question is that the people were looking to Jesus to fulfill their own agendas. They said, save us. And what they meant was, do what we want you to do to overthrow our oppressors and allow our nation to be self-governed again. Save us. Give us what we want. And when Jesus demonstrated that he was not going to do that in their time, they turned on him. I think a lot of us are Palm Sunday believers. We seek after God. We want God in our lives in order to accomplish the purposes that we set. We say, God, deliver me from this trial. And when God doesn't, we become angry. We become frustrated. And we turn away from God. But the key is to trust God for God's purposes. To say, I understand that you can work in this trial, so, and I know that I am in your hands so that I will bear up under it and not lose my faith, but actually get closer to you, Lord God, and trust you even more than I did before. Now, this Sunday, as Palm Sunday is also Passion Sunday, and I have to admit that Psalm 31 is clearly from the passion side of things, and the reason it's used is because Jesus said, quoted it uh, in verse 5, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so this Sunday that carries the weight of both that rejoicing at Palm Sunday, but also uh, the anticipation of Holy Week, we have to remember that we are Good Friday believers. In so doing, we have to acknowledge that the power of evil is great. Evil still works in this world. Evil causes disease. Evil causes pain. Evil causes struggle. And one day we will be released from that evil. But now we know that we are people who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, who in answer to evil underwent suffering and death on our behalf. And while the war has been won, the battles still rage. We do not understand, I don't think, how big this cosmic battle is between good and evil but we are called to participate in it. We are called to put on the full armor of God in order that we can defeat the enemy. The enemy continues to try to undo us. The enemy is always prowling about, pursuing, wanting to rob us of joy and peace, wanting to drive a wedge between us and God. Satan wants to accuse us and imprison us with fear and doubt and guilt and anxiety, but he cannot do that if God is our rock. Folks, I don't know about you, but I have fallen to the lies of Satan this week. I've become anxious. I've become fearful. But we're still in the battle. God has won the war in Jesus Christ. So, no that you have the power, you have the strength to overcome the lies of the enemy. You have the power, you have the strength in the hands of God to bear up during this challenging time. 
Because we are Good Friday believers, we know that trials and struggles still exist in this life. But we are also Easter believers. We know that the war is won. We know that when we fight for the side of good, for the, sight of, for the sake of God, when we align ourselves with the kingdom of God, we know that we're on the winning side. And we know that God's promises of goodness and grace and ultimate reward are true and right and a great foundation, a great rock upon which to build our lives. So I close with verse 24. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Amen.